Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Ken Art speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God a Biblical Instructional Program. Today is August 6, 2011. Uh, happy Shabbat, or Sabbath, to those who obey God and desire to keep the Sabbath day. Uh, for those who don't know anything about it, uh, please email me at uh, kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. I'll be glad to tell you about it. All right, folks, um, unless many of you are having your head in the sand, uh, you are aware of what's been going on here for the past couple of weeks, I hope. If not, I'll tell you. Uh, we uh, had this debt ceiling plan or debt limit, that's what it really should be called, a debt limit plan passed finally after all the shenanigans. And everyone thought that everything was okay. That's the way we are Americans. We always think everything's okay. Uh, and we have a tendency not to look at the facts and not be realistic about what's going on. And here's the reality of what's going on, folks. Um, we're not just $14 trillion in debt. We're actually $200 trillion in debt when you look at all of our obligations. <clears throat> Of course, you, you won't hear any politician tell you that. That's the truth. And, <clears throat> again, I, I've, I've said this over and over and over again. This is common sense. And, unfortunately, our leaders in, in, uh, in Washington don't seem to have it, unfortunately. If you have a bunch of credit cards, um, I know uh, family members of mine or some people that I've known, they've had 25 or 30 credit cards, which I can't even comprehend that. But if you have that many credit cards and you owe maybe an average balance of $800 each or 1000 uh that's about $30,000 or 25000 or 30000 depending on whether you have 25 or 30 credit cards. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to get more credit cards? In, in your situation, and that would be very stupid and unwise to do, right? Well, I'm using that analogy to explain what our government, our government leaders in particular, have been doing for years. Is they are getting so-called credit, virtual credit card. I'm just using an example. Uh, they're actually 
adding on to their debt without eliminating the debt. And so what that will do, as I've tried to explain in simplest of terms, is when in, in, in this situation, which affects the global economy, when you're increasing the money supply and how we're how are we increasing the money supply? We're doing that by having the, the United States uh, Treasury Department print out legal tender or the, the the bills that you see. And if you notice, it says U.S. Treasury note, so it's an IOU. All right, that's what it is. And when that is printed out out of thin air, the reason why it's out of thin air is because we don't have the gold to back it up because we are in debt. We are the, the world's largest debtor nation. In other words, we owe the most out of all the countries. And then you get people on CNN saying, well, we, you know, mo- uh, all countries, they go to our treasury bonds. Yeah, they go to the treasury bonds. But what has happened today, and the day started Friday at even, according to what the Bible says and what God says, uh, what happened earlier today was that the uh, actually you know for those who's going by the Roman pagan recreant of time, uh, it was Friday night when this happened. But uh, Standard and Poor's and let me uh, read. I have my. I want to be as clear as I can. I understand what it is, but many of you perhaps don't know what S and P is, so I have to take that in consideration. I suggest also, because you're going to be hearing a lot of financial news here from now on, and I suggest you get Barron's Financial Guide. It's the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. So it really will explain certain words that may pop up that you're not familiar with because the average American is not <laughs> playing a stock market game, and that's all it is basically is a game. It's legalized gambling basically. Anyway, um, standard and poor. That's what I'm trying to look up here. Okay. First, let's, let's understand who standard and poor is. is uh, this is on page 693 of the book, uh, Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms by Barron's. It says standard and poor is division of the McGraw-Hill companies. So they are a division of, of the McGraw-Hill companies, which is a book publishing company well-known and trusted in the financial community for its independent credit ratings and as well as risk evaluation, investment research data, and valuations. The New York-based company, which has offices in 21 countries, was founded in 1860 and acquired by McGraw-Hill in 1966. Among other things, it compiles a globally known Standard & Poor's 500 index as well as numerous other um, indices. All right, so Standard & Poor's rating. Standard & Poor's opinion of the general creditworthiness of someone who owes or the creditworthiness of an, someone who owes with respect to a particular debt security or other financial obligation. A Standard & Poor's long-term rating reflects a borrower's capacity to meet its financial commitments on a timely basis. Long-term ratings range from the highest category, AAA, to the lowest, D. Ratings from AA to CCC categories may include may also include a plus or a minus sign to show relative standing within the category. A short-term rating is an assessment of the likelihood of timely repayment of obligations 
considered short-term and relevant markets. Short-term ratings are graded into several categories, ranging from A1 for the highest quality of obligations to D for the lowest. The A a minus one rating may be modified by a plus sign to distinguish the stronger credits in that category. In addition to long-term and short-term ratings, Standard & Poor's has specific rating definitions for preferred stock, preferred stock, money market funds, mutual bond funds, financial strength and financial enhancement ratings of insurance companies, and program ratings for derivative product companies. So I hope I explained this in a clearer way that the Standard & Poor's rating is very um, significant in terms of, of our economy. Well, what happened Friday night has never happened in this country. Uh, we have had a triple A, uh, a rating from the Standard and Poor's, Standard and Poor's rather, since 1917. Okay, so this has never happened before. And now that it has happened, people are bracing for uh, what will all likelihood be a financial disaster. Um, I don't know if the stock market will fall and go all the way down the drain on Monday, but it could. It could, just on this. So, you know, my job is to, you know, warn people, uh, let you know that things aren't rosy and everything is not okay. And uh, we need to, to really start preparing now uh, for uh, what may occur here in the future. All right, so, and what is going to occur here in the future, it looks like in the immediate future, is interest rates will go up eventually. I know there's an article saying that uh, Bernanke is going to, as to the uh, Federal Bank, uh, not the Federal Bank, Federal Reserve Bank chief, he is going to do his quantitative easing three, which is simply, let me just read what it says here um, about this here. This is from Bloomberg, which is a credible source. It says U.S. will roll out QE3 after S&P rating cut. Lai Duki says, Dauki, I guess. Uh, it says the U.S. Federal Reserve will extend its program to purchase the nation's debts and stabilize long-term interest rates after standing in poor's downgrade its credit rating. Now, let me explain. The reason why they have to stabilize the interest rates is because whenever interest rates are down, treasury bonds... Um, remain very valuable. Now, the Chinese have quite a bit. They're, they're financing our debt through treasury bonds. If the interest rate goes up, what do you think they're going to do? Well, you got to understand if the interest rate goes up, the treasury bond's value goes down. And so to <laughs> not have a financial disaster, what they're going to do is sell the treasury bonds to get as much money as they can as the interest rate continues to go up. So that's where we're headed, folks, and this is a very serious... Who knows? China may cash in their treasury bonds soon, all right, based on this. So this is this is serious, folks. This is not something to take uh, lightly for standing and poor to do this, and they've never done this before. Let's get out of your slumber. Let's stop thinking that everything's okay as long as everything's okay with me. Get out of that mess. Get, get out of that uh, drunken stupor or whatever, sleep or whatever you're in, okay, uh, let's, let's wake up, this, these are the end times now, unfortunately, most human beings need things like this to happen to wake you up to reality, and I'm telling you, you will be waking to, re uh, waking, 
uh, to reality one way or the other. God, what he does first, based on the prophecies, is he takes away the ability for you to make money, support yourself, and feed yourself. That has worked. Starvation does work. It gets people's attention. And that's where this country is headed. And how can I say that? Well, what has happened here? I've been talking about this for the past two or three programs, actually more than that. What has happened here in the past month and a half here? Let's go back to our behavior, because that's what God looks at, our social behavior. Well, the U.N., which is located in New York, by the way, announced to the world in a pride fashion, don't discriminate against uh, homosexuals and lesbians, Okay, which are homosexuals too. It says women that are gay. All right, then the following week, the state of New York said, okay, we're going to start accepting um, same-sex marriages. Now, New York City is the leading city in the world. How can I say that? Well, let's think logically here. The Federal Reserve Bank is in New York. Uh, Many intelligent people of notoriety, famous people, live in New York. Powerful people live in New York. Uh, You have the Statue of Liberty in New York, right? Uh, You have a lot of things in New York. You know, New York is really called Babylon, you know, in terms of the many different types of uh, race there in New York. Uh, It is a very powerful city. Wall Street is there, of course. I just mentioned that, Sheree. The United Nations is there. Okay, so it's a very powerful city. And just like when they were interviewing this one woman who claims to be bisexual, and yet she's married, which is ridiculous, uh, she was saying that um, by this happening in New York, it's going to influence the whole world. So do you think God is going to take that lightly based on what he said about these days? Uh, Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 17. I'm going to keep on hammering this because... I have to. It's, it's, the things are just getting bad, folks. And, I, and I'm going to read the, the book of Zephaniah, most of it, to help you understand how bad it's going to get. You know, we, we need to wake up here and stop thinking that we can continue to sin and God is not going to punish us for it. That's our attitude in this country. It's like I remember uh, the, I don't know if he's still the mayor of uh, San Francisco, but he said, well, you know, it was, the, the context of the conversation was about homosexuality, and he was saying, well, um, the end of the world you know, isn't here yet, you know, or God hasn't destroyed us yet, so, you know, yet. <laughs> I think he said yet, so I guess he realized that what's going on is not really morally right. But, but you know, I have to say to him and everyone else, it's going to happen, folks. You can't get away with wickedness. Eventually, God is going to be tired of it, and he's going to wipe it out. After all, Bible does say he's a consuming fire, and fire does purify things. So anyway, Luke chapter 17, I'm reading this in the wonderful, not perfect, but it's a pretty good translation, the Common English Bible. Uh, 
Luke chapter 17, verse 26, uh, he's talking about the times of the second coming here, which could be sooner than we think, folks. Uh, it, with this happening, with the Palestinians, they, this fall, will try to claim that they are a state. Now, if they do that, that could start World War III easily. Because Israel is not going to go back to the 1967 borders. If they did, they would be giving up the old city of Jerusalem, which they would be giving up the Temple Mount, Mount the Mount of Olives, and other key areas. They are not going to do that. Netanyahu will not do that. So if they do that and the UN says, yes, they are a Palestinian state, then that's going to cause, more than likely, World War III. But let's get back to this. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be during the days of the human one. He's calling, talking about himself, you sure? People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, in the days of Lot, people were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, and building. And that's what we're doing today. We're doing all these things and think everything is okay. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, here's the key verse, verse 30. That's the way it will be on the day the human one is revealed or comes back. On that day, those on the roof whose possessions are in the house shouldn't come down to grab them. Likewise, those in the field shouldn't turn back. Remember Lot's wife. And he says that for a reason. She turned her head back because obviously she thought that she was going to miss out on something. And many of us are like that. We look at the world and the things in the world and uh, we, we, we value that more important than God. You have to turn away from that. That's not going to save you. Verse 33, and so she got turned into a pillar of stone. Verse 33, whoever tries to preserve their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will preserve it. Now, he's talking about in this context uh, of catastrophe. And he's also talking about a time when you may have to give up your life. People may pressure you to disobey God. What are you going to do? You going to go ahead and obey them so you can preserve your life? Or would you lose your life to gain it forever? That's a question that every single one of us is going to have to ask if we get into that situation. And he says, I tell you, on that night, two people will be in the same bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. So he's talking about uh, the great tribulation, and then he says the disciples ask, "Where, Lord, the vultures get? Where the vultures gather? There's a dead body." So he's talking about Revelation chapter 19. If you read that toward the end, especially uh, birds are going to be eating up flesh, and where the flesh is coming from, where these are the armies that tried to attack Yeshua and the saints and the angels, and they're going to be totally destroyed. So that's what he's talking about. So. We're at a time now that's similar to Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happened Sodom and Gomorrah? What was the last straw with him? It's in Genesis 19. I'm not going to turn there. But if you read that, the last straw 
was a homosexuality behavior that God saw through those two angels. And he said, that's enough. So, homosexuality, that type of uh, social behavior is the gauge that God uses to determine the kind of punishments that he's going to inflict upon the world. Now, let's turn to Jude. Why? Why, why, would, why would he use that? Well, it's, it's an affront to him. It's, it's, you're talking about homosexuality. You're talking about destroying the creation. Because he told two, a male and a female to multiply. He didn't tell two males and two females to multiply because they cannot. Biologically, they cannot do it. So when you are for gayness, you're for the destruction of humanity. And God takes offense to that, as he should. I mean, that, that, that is, you don't do that. You don't, you don't say that you want to destroy humanity, and you're for that. And I don't think gay people realize it. I don't think people who support gays realize what they are really saying. But in, in actuality, you're saying that you want to destroy creation. When you support two males and two females getting married and assuming they can have a family. But anyway, in verse 5 of Jude, I want to remind you of something you already know very well or should know very well. The Lord who once saved the people out of Egypt later destroyed those who didn't maintain their faith. I remind you too of the angels who didn't keep their position of authority, but deserted their own home, and their own home was heaven. The Lord has kept them in eternal change in the underworld, or the realm of the dead, until the judgment of the great day. In the same way, Sodom and Gomorrah and neighboring towns practiced immoral sexual relations and pursued other sexual urges. Okay, in the same way. So that happened. The angels had sexual problems, okay? Uh, and and how do I know that? Well, where do we get our wickedness from? Demons, okay? And that's the way they think. And so what they did was influence human beings to act this way, all right? In verse 7, in the same way Sodom and Gomorrah and neighboring towns practiced immoral sexual relations and pursued other sexual urges. By undergoing the punishment of eternal fire, they serve as a warning. And this is a warning of eternal fire. You read the rest of Jude, it ends with Christ coming with the saints. All right? So that's why I can confidently say that God uses as a gauge homosexuality to really inflict punishment upon the earth and to end things. And, you know, back in the 1960s, gayness, it was just starting in this country. Okay, uh, it's ridiculous now. Totally ridiculous. You have movies. You had a movies with two guys tearing up each other. But um, broke back mountain, whatever. <laughs> and they probably broke their backs, all right. But anyway, um, that it was a story of two men tearing up each other. Um, you've had television series uh, reflecting a woman and a and a gay man being best friends. Uh, you, you have a lot of other gay movies that have come out. Uh, you have these commercials saying, don't call somebody gay. In other words, don't call somebody what they really are. Ignore it. 
embrace it is okay. You know, that's the kind of message that we're getting now. And it's like you can't in the public right now. You can't. You got to be careful of saying that somebody's gay without them persecuting you and saying it's discrimination. It's not discrimination. Again, let's use our common sense. Is it discrimination to call someone an alcoholic if they're an alcoholic? Is it discrimination to call someone a murderer if they're a murderer? Okay. Is it discrimination to call someone a rapist if they're a rapist? Is it discrimination to call someone uh, a violator of the traffic law when you speed, when they do that? Okay. I can go on and on and on, but I think you get to where I'm going here. Uh, there, there's a there's a there's a line that you have to draw. All right, there's there has to be morality. If you don't have morality, civilization will be destroyed. The devil has successfully influenced our leaders in this country to think that being gay is okay. That being gay is the right thing. They don't look at it as uh, having sex with an animal or a horse. Everyone, I think, understands that that's wrong. I think the majority of people, I think they're, they understand, at least I hope so, that they understand that that's wrong and that's not discrimination to say that that's wrong. And for them to say being gay, which if you're thinking properly, <laughs> two men having sex with each other and two women having sex with each other, to say that that's not wrong, to say that that's, you're discriminating, Someone should should uh, have a right to, to love who they want to. Well, what about, you might as well approve of uh, bestiality then, you know. You say someone should have a right to love who they want, then why, why are people not lobbying for that? Because deep down people realize that that's wrong. And so is being gay. Matter of fact, God puts that in the same context. If you look at Leviticus chapter 18, I'm not going to turn there, but if you look at where he he talks about homosexuality, condemning it, he talks about that in the context of bestiality as both being an abomination. Okay? And so, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this for money. (laughs) Uh, I'm doing my... uh, charitable service which we all should figure out what we're good at and we should be giving uh this is hard work that i do but i love what i do i like talking about the truth i like talk bragging about god you know i don't put my picture on the website for a reason i want you focusing on me what i look like what you know what who am i you know this show is about god and what he wants us to do and i'm just being used as a tool to tell you about god all i do is read quote scriptures and sometimes I use secular sources to help you understand that God knows what he's talking about. That he, what he said will happen, is happening. This nation, this once great nation, will be destroyed um, socioeconomically in all other fashions. If we, or methods, or ways, unless we repent. What do I mean by repent? It means change. Change your mind. Change how you think about yourself. Change how you think about society. Change how you think of humanity. You must do that. If you don't do that, you're going to be caught up in this stuff. And you will be destroyed. 
and God does not want to destroy you. And I know, you know, people who I've heard this before, yeah, but what you have not heard before is Standard & Poor's downgrading our country to a triple or double A rating. You've never heard of that before. Uh, you've never heard or seen a gay marriage being televised on on, on a national, uh, not, not national, but a cable network, CNN, as me and my son saw, I think, two or three weeks ago. You never heard of the state of New York, which is the leading state in the United States, state that is okay for two people of the same sex to get marriage. It's a lot of things that has never occurred before that have occurred here in the 21st century. In 1945, prior to 1945, we did not have atomic bombs. We weren't capable of destroying humanity. We are now, 10 to 20 times over. This is the time that Yeshua talked about. You turn to Matthew, chapter 24. Very popular scripture that I remember. It's popular to me, anyway. But it should be a warning to you. hope you listen here. You know, it's just God wants you to listen to him so you don't have to suffer. Verse 21 in the Common English Bible says, There will be great suffering such as the world has never before seen and will never again see. That's coming, folks, in this century. Verse 22, If that time weren't shortened, nobody would be rescued. And the King James Version said nobody would be alive. No flesh would be saved alive. But for the sake of the ones who God chose, that time will be cut short. All right, so that is what's going on here, folks. Uh, we're at that time. This scripture did not apply back probably even in 1945 because we just invented the atomic bomb. But the early start of the end times actually began in 1945 because we had the capability, we had the foundation to fulfill what he's saying here. If that time weren't cut short, nobody would be rescued or saved alive. They'd all be destroyed. We have the capability now to destroy all humanity 10, 20 times over. So that's how you can tell we're living in the end times, too. There's other proofs, but that that's a major one right there. And, and another another proof, and you look at Second Peter. People's attitude today about, I mean, I, I look at the news, and my son looked at the news last night because this was so major about the Standard & Poor's rating dropping to AA+, instead of AA+. Uh, they were saying, well, it's not Armageddon. Uh, it's like they know that something's wrong, but they want to deny the obvious, that this world is falling apart. Second Peter 3, verse 1, in the common English version of the Bible, says, My dear friends, this is how my second letter to you, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both letters to stir up your sincere understanding with a reminder. I want you to recall what the holy prophets foretold as well as what the Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most important, know this, in the last days, scoffers will come jeering, living by their own cravings, and saying, 
Where is the promise of his coming? And many people have that attitude now. After all, nothing has changed. Not since the beginning of creation, nor ever, nor even since the ancestors died. And they actually believe nothing has changed when it has. Verse 5, but they failed to notice that by God's word, heaven and earth were formed long ago out of water and by means of water. And it was through these that the world of that time was flooded and destroyed. But by the same word, heaven and earth are now held in reserve for fire, kept for the judgment day and destruction of ungodly people. All right, so don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that the Lord... That with the Lord a single day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness. But he is patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish. And that's the reason why things have been a sort of a delay. But when you get to the point of homosexuality and embracing that, and influencing the world, that's when God has to, has to step up. And that's what he's doing. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire, and the earth and all the works done in it will be exposed. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? You must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Because of that day, the heavens will be destroyed by fire, and the elements will make, melt away in the flames. But according to his promises, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. So that that's what we need to be striving for, looking for, is uh, a world, a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness and righteousness is keeping the commandments, Psalm 119, verse 172, where righteousness is at home. And right now, righteousness is not home in this country, especially among our leaders, our so-called leaders, because they're not leading very well at all. They're leading terribly. And it's going to bring curses to this country. It already is. Uh, Texas is being baked right now as I'm speaking. Going through the worst. It's the worst since the Dust Bowl. That's what they said, what they're going through. Uh there's various other areas of drought in this country. Uh, we have a Hurricane Emily. I don't know if it's going to affect Florida too much, but uh, it's going to be other hurricanes that's going to come to this country, it looks like. And uh, we need to brace for that. I certainly wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to be a president right now. Uh, I just read today that I think over 30 U.S. Uh, Army folks have died today. The worst, I think is the worst... Uh, death, amount of death in the Afghanistan war so far. So that's going to be something that uh, Obama's going to have to deal with too. So it's, 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 it's tough for him. We need to pray for him. Pray that he wakes up to reality and stop all this supporting abortion and supporting gays and wake up to reality and, and get his Bible out and, and, and read it and understand what it says and repent of that. Repent of allowing gayness in the army. Repent of thinking about getting rid of the Defense of Marriage Act, which is totally biblical. And all it says is that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's what the Bible says. And that's what Yeshua says back in, or Jesus says back in Matthew chapter 19. 
And he, he, he talks about going back to Genesis to prove that marriage is between a man and a woman. And so right now what he's lobbying for, he wants to pass the, um I forgot the name of it, Relations, Marriage Act or whatever, I don't know. But uh, that, that act simply states that someone is married and they they receive the the uh, just laws uh, under under being married or whatever. It doesn't mention anything about marriage being between a man and a woman. So that's where we're headed as a nation. And, and if that if that act is passed, I I, I know that God is going to curse this country like He never has before. He's already doing it right now. And I, I think people just take this gay stuff for granted like it's no big deal. And it is a big deal. You're talking about two men and two women acting like they're opposite sex of one another when they're not. That's sick. That's crazy. It's not thinking straight. You have Barney Franks. He's a re- representative in a house. He's, he's, he's gay. You have our You have leaders, key leaders. And he's a key leader in the house. You have other folks that are probably gay. They don't come out, but they probably gay. You had this wiener guy, you know, having problems with, I hate to say it, his wiener, I guess, okay? Uh, fooling around, looking at the Internet. And on and on and on. It is, there's other people, our so-called leaders, that are supposed to lead by example. Instead, they lead by filth and wickedness. They lead the wrong way. And we can't, of course, handle, uh, we can't get, the House of Representatives can't even get their house in order. So how can they get someone else's house in order? Simple arithmetic, addition and subtraction. The more debt you have, the more problems you have if you don't pay it off. You don't solve the problem by increasing your debt. Bernanke, he's the Federal Reserve Chair, uh, Chief. And, you know, I respect the guy, but he, he's not showing me he has any common sense. And if he does, he doesn't care about what's going on. So it, this is a major problem, folks. And, you know, the time where, you know, everything's okay and, you know, we have nothing to worry about, that's over with, folks. I mean, you you got a lot to be concerned about now. And you stop all this living in fantasy land, USA, and let's get... To, to understanding that God is sick and tired of this stuff. Now, you may say, well, what is he talking about? He has a good job report. Well, let's, let's find out what the deal is with the job report, okay? Because most people don't read between the lines, and the Obama administration and other people know that. They know that we're simple-minded, and we just believe everything they say. Well, I don't. I'm not simple-minded, and I don't believe everything someone else is saying. Uh, I don't believe that that someone is accurate what they say all the time, all right? And you should start studying this website because they get it right here, folks. This is a, a, an interest group called the Economic Policy Institute, and their overall goal is research and ideas for shared prosperity. I, I go to their website on a regular basis because I, I really need to find out the truth about what's going on in the economy. And this is the truth. Headline news from EPI, Drop in Labor Force Lowers Unemployment Rate, August 5, 2011. This is, um, I think Karen Connor has something to do with this article. But anyway, she has her number, too, if you want to contact her. It says, drop in labor force lowers unemployment rate. This is what 
the reason why there was 117,000 jobs, so-called added, okay? In today's job picture, economist Heidi Schoholz, okay, she's the one that did this, explains that the decline in the unemployment rate from 9.2 to 9.1 was entirely due to a drop in the labor force, not an increase in the share of workers with jobs. So here we go again, lie, 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 lie. Lie, lie, pans on fire. Anyway, anyway, the labor force participation rate declined to 63.9% in July is new low of the downturn. The labor force is thus smaller than it was before the recession started by more than 700,000 workers, though the working age population grew by over 7 million in that time. There are currently 2.8 million marginally attached workers. Workers who want a job are available to work but have given up in actively seeking work. That's sad. If these workers were in the labor force and counted as unemployed, the unemployment rate would be 10.7% right now instead of 9.1. Okay, so, of course, the media is not going to tell you that. You have to be an investigative these days, folks, to get the truth. That's what you have to do. Here's another one from the Economic Policy Institute. It says, job growth in low gear. This morning's release of the Employment Situation Report by the Bureau of the Bureau of Labor Statistics show the addition of 117,000 jobs in July, a rate of job growth that keeps up keeps us firmly in low gear and on track for persistent high unemployment. Notably, the decline in the unemployment rate in July was entirely due to a drop in the labor force, not an increase in the share of workers with jobs. Now, have any of you heard that from CNN or any of the... No. All they did was put the number because they know folks... <laughs> the average American, unfortunately, got their minds in movies and having fun, you know, and me, I, myself, and they know that, and they prey on that, and they think, oh, 117, oh, everything's okay. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not okay. you got to look between the lines, folks. you got to understand who's leading this country, the leaders that we have leading this country. They're not going to tell you the truth. They're not going to tell you. I don't think I've heard Obama one time tell you that there's what? I think it's close to 43, 46 million people on food stamps. Have you ever heard him say that? You know, that's getting that's, that's too truthful, isn't it, you know, about what's going on in this country. This wealthy country, this country that has the most billionaires in the world, and they're stingy, a lot of them. How do I know? Well, we shouldn't have 46 million people or 43 million people on food stamps. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. And we shouldn't have 25, 26, I think it's 28 million people unemployed or underemployed right now in this country. That's a significant amount of people in the richest and wealthiest country in the world. Uh, it's, it's just we need a group of people to use their brains and have common sense. And, and, and unfortunately, there's not too many people in the world these days that, that have it. And here's another article that I was going to read last week. I didn't have a chance, but th- this is very interesting here. This is on CNN. It says, who owns America? Hint, it's not China. All right? From CNN, 
says, the following piece comes from Global Post, which provides excellent coverage of world news, important, moving, and odd. And this is by Tom Mucha, Global Post. And they got this from Global Post. It says, truth is elusive, but it's a good thing we have math. Our friends at Business Insider know this and put these two principles to work together in this excellent and highly informative little uh, slideshow, made even more timely by the ongoing talks in Washington, D.C., aimed at staving off the U.S. debt default. Anyway, here's the big idea. Many people, politicians and pundits alike, uh, they, they talk about China and to a lesser extent Japan and state that own most of America's $14.3 trillion in government debt. But there's one little problem with that conventional wisdom. It's, it's just not true. While the Chinese, Japanese, and plenty of other foreigners own substantial amounts, yes, they do own substantial amounts, it's really Americans who hold most of America's debt. Here's a quick and fascinating breakdown by total amount held in percentage of total U.S. debt, according to Business Insider. Hong Kong, they have uh, $121.9 billion of our debt. The Caribbean banking centers, they have $148.3 billion. Taiwan has $153.4 billion. Brazil, $211.4 billion. Oil exporting countries, $229.8 billion. Mutual funds, $300.5 billion. Commercial banks, $301.8 billion. State, local, and federal government funds, $320.9 billion. Money market mutual funds, $337.7 billion. United Kingdom, $346.5 billion. Private pension funds, $504.7 billion. State and local governments, $506.1 billion. Japan, $912.4 billion. That's almost a trillion dollars that Japan uh, has of our debt. U.S. households, $959.4 billion. This is the general public, folks. U.S. households, almost a trillion dollars that we have of the U.S. debt. China, $1.16 trillion. China is over a trillion dollars. The U.S. Treasury, you know, that's the the uh, printing out of thin air department, uh, $1.63 trillion. The Social Security Trust Fund is the most, $2.67 trillion. So America owns foreigners about $4.5 trillion in debt, but America owes America $9.8 trillion. Okay? So that's our true picture here, folks, as far as our debt. That's a pretty good article, one of the best I've seen in years. But, uh, folks, you know, we've we got to get out of debt. The government has to get out of debt, and we, individually, must get out of debt. If we don't, just like this article from The Guardian, point .co, or period .co, period .uk, global markets on the brink of crisis. It says, world... Financial markets closed for business, nursing losses of more than $2.5 trillion. This is by Larry Elliott, economics editor. It says the world's financial markets closed for business, nursing losses of more than $2.5 trillion. After a week of turbulent selling not seen since the dark days of late 2008, when the big beasts of banking were forced to beg for government help and the global economy was gripped by its worst recession since the 1930s. Hundreds of billions of pounds have been wiped off share prices in London. Across the Atlantic, Wall Street alone was staring at losses of $2 trillion or more after a fortnight of almost incessant selling. 
Front pages again carry pictures of traders with their heads in their hands looking at a sea of red on their computer screens. Okay, I'm not going to go on and on and on. I think you get the picture, okay? Uh, it's, it's, these are some serious times, folks. And usually around these serious times, just like in the Great Depression, a war occurred, and it looks like that may be occurring soon. Wars stimulate the economy, unfortunately. And it looks like that may happen again, according to the Bible prophecies. So we, we better get it together, folks, and we better wake up to uh, the reality of the world that we live in. And this world is really um, led by the global elite, which is the devil, really, and his demons influencing these rich folks to... Basically, rule the world, and that's that's what's going on right now. So, let's uh, focus on the Torah readings because it has everything to do with what's going on today. <laughs> it really does. Uh, in the last forty minutes that I have here, uh, the, the, the title of this show is "Change Your Mind and Come Back to God." And let's uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter one. I'm going to read to Deuteronomy 3, verse 22. Deuteronomy chapter 1, Shri. Starting in verse 1, but before I read that, I'm going to read the summary here by Habat. It says, On the first of Shavat, 37 days before his passing, Moses begins his repetition of the Torah to the assembled children of Israel, receiving the events that occurred and the laws that were given in the course of their 40-year journey from Egypt to Sinai to the Promised Land, rebuking or correcting the people for their failings and iniquities or sins, and enjoining them to keep the Torah and observe its commandments in the land that God is giving them as an internal heritage, and to which they shall cross after his death. Moses recalls his appointment of judges and magistrates to ease his burden of meting out justice to the people and teaching them the word of God, the journey from Sinai through the great and fearsome desert, the sending of the spies and the people's subsequent spurning of the promised land, so that God decreed that the entire generation of the Exodus shall die out in the desert. Also against me, says Moses, was God angry for your sake, saying, You too shall not go in there. Moses also recounts some more recent events, the refusal of the nations of Moab and Ammon, Moab rather, and Ammon, to allow the Israelites to pass through their countries. The wars against the Amorite king, uh, Sakan and Og, and the settlement of the lands by the tribes of Reuben and Gad and part of the tribe of Manasseh, and Moses' message to his successor, Joshua, who would take the people into the land and lead them in the battles for his conquest. Fear them not for the Lord your God. He shall fight for you. So let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. Some reason is not showing Deuteronomy, so I'll just go ahead and read this out of another version here. 
Deuteronomy chapter 1. says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness and the Harabah um, opposite, opposite south between Paran and Topal, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dezahab. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him and commandment to them. After he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Hezbon and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtoreth and in Idri. Beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook, explain, undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighbors in the Arabah in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Gib and by the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites, in Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. At that time I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. <clears throat> the Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. This is in the English Standard Version Bible that I'm reading. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men. Now notice you didn't choose women to lead the tribes. It was men. You know, So the, the basic structure of society should have men as the leaders. I mean, this proves it here. All right, so... Verse 12, how can I bear whatever? 13, choose for your for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, not women, and I will appoint them as your heads, not women. Okay. Verse 14, and you answer me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you. Commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. Again, this proves that men are the leaders of society, folks. Verse 16, And I charge your judges at this time, hear the cases between your brothers, and judge righteously between a man and his brother, or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's, and the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will bear it. And I commanded you at this time, all the things that you should do. So let's understand the structure of society, the way it should be. The men are leaders, and the women should support the leaders. Okay? As I explained to my wife in a marriage relationship, uh, the wife is the engine and the, and, and, uh, and the husband's the car. Both are needed. I mean, the husband drives the car, but the woman is the engine to the car. Now, how can you drive the car without the engine? Okay? So a woman supports the man, and helps the man become a better leader. Uh, I've heard a lot of men state that if it wasn't for their wife, they wouldn't be where they're at. And that's true, because a woman, a good woman, a good wife, can really support her husband. So let's understand the structure of, of society, folks. And, and when you have women wanting to hit the glass ceiling and all that, uh, you're going to have chaos. 
and, and, and right now I think, no, matter of fact, I know based on statistics, socioeconomic statistics, that men, no matter what race they are, even though it's, it's hurt blacks and Hispanics a whole lot more than white men, but men have lost more jobs than women in this uh, economy. That should not be so. But anyway, verse 19. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all the great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord your God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said to you, You have come to the hill country of the Amorites, what the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go, take possession. Take possession. As the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you, do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you came near me and said, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the, the way by which we must go up in the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. Again, he's not taking women to do this. Uh, men are supposed to be courageous, uh, and, and the men are the ones that fight, not the women. Verse 24, And they turned and went up into the hill and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Yet you would not go up but rebelled. Here we go with the rebellion and not doing to do what God commands. Uh, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and you murmured or gossiped in your tents and said, be, be, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt. That's gossip, definitely wicked gossip, because that's not true. God doesn't hate, uh, he did not hate them. Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Now, you know, you know, let's stop here for a minute. For them to say that tells you that most of them's brain was gone, okay? He parted the Red Sea for them. It did all kinds of other things for them. Preserved their clothes for 40 years. It didn't, uh, no holes that were in their shoes or clothes. He did a lot of other things. And for them to say, and, I, and I've experienced this too, you know, people say ridiculous, idiotic things. That's one of the most idiotic things that they can ever say, to say that the Lord hated them because, uh, it says, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. This is total mental illness to say something like that. Verse 28. Where are, where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater than, and taller than we, which was a lie, uh, in terms of the the way they said it. Said the cities were great and fortified up to heaven, and besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, they were exaggerated. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for in Egypt before your eyes. They forgot about that. They forgot about the Red Sea. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe, here we go, did not believe, did not have trust, did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in a way to seek you out a place to pitch your tent in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. Folks, we don't know the way to righteousness. God has to show us. And how does he show us today? Through the Bible and through Torah teachers like myself to teach you out the Bible. What is it, Sharon? All right, 
my wife wants to add the Holy Spirit, okay? Of course, the Holy Spirit has everything to do with everything. God is, from God comes the Holy Spirit. So when I say God, God works through his Holy Spirit, his power to do anything, okay? So it's through God that everything is going to happen, all right? But anyway, um, where was I before I got off track here? 32, who went before you in the way to seek you, and so forth. All right, so, and the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, not one of these, and understand this, God and anyone else will get angry at you if you're wicked. Do you understand that? You know, God is going to get angry at you, and any righteous person, a righteous person, not perfect, but is a person who does the best they can to obey God, is going to get mad at you when you do wickedness. If you'd expect someone not to be, it's ridiculous. Okay? Verse 34, And the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him and to his children I will give the land on which he was trodden, because he was wholly followed the Lord. And then, of course, Joshua. Even with me, the Lord was angry on your account and said, You shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And as for them, just Joshua and Caleb, <laughs> that's sad. But it's kind of prophetic because I know there's not that many righteous people in this country either. Very few. Very few righteous people in the world, according to the Bible, what it says. Anyway... Verse 39 has, for your little ones, you who you said will become a prey, and your children who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. And to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. Then you answer me, we have sinned against the Lord. We ourselves will go up and fight just as the Lord your, our God commanded us. And every one of you fastened on his weapons of war and thought it easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, Say to them, Do not go up or fight, for I am not in your midst, that not you be defeated before your enemies. So, of course, they didn't listen. So I spoke to you, and you would not listen, but you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the hill country. Then the Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you and chased you, as bees do, <laughs> and beat you down in Seir as fire as Horma, and you return and wept before the Lord, but the Lord did not listen to your voice or give you. You know, people are always thinking you cry all the time to God, he's going to hear you. No, he's not. If you're in a rebellious state and you did something that hurt his feelings, he ain't going to listen to you. And this is an example of it, okay? And you return and wept before the Lord, but the Lord did not listen to your voice or give ear to you. So you remain at condition many days, the days that you remain there. If you keep on sinning over and over and over again, God is tired of the phoniness. He's tired of that. He wants to see some true repentance. And all the crying in the world is not going to do it in some cases. Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 2. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea, as the Lord told me. And for many days we traveled around Mount Seir. Then the Lord said to me, You have been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn northward and command this to people. You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole or the foot to thread, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall purchase food from them for money, 
that you may eat, and you shall also buy water of them for money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. So we went on away from our brothers, the people of Esau who live in Seir, away from the Abra, uh, Arabah road from Elath and Ezion Geber. And we turned and went into the direction of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said to me, Do not har- harass Moab or contend with them in battle, for I will not <coughs> give you any of their land for a possession. Moab today is the uh, modern country of Jordan. Because I have given our to the people of Lot for a possession. The Emmim formerly lived there, a people great and many and tall as Anakim. And like Anakim, they also counted as Riphim, but the Moabites called them Emmim. The Horites also lived in Sarah formerly, but the people of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and settled in their place, as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave to them. Now rise up and go over the brook Zeret. So we went over the brook Zeret in time from our leaving Kadesh, Barnea, until we crossed the brook Zeret was 38 years, until the entire generation, that is the men of war, had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from the camp until they had perished. So, as soon as all the men of war had perished and were dead from among the people, the Lord said to me, Today you are to cross the border of Moab at Ayr, and when you approach the territory of the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot for a possession. And we all remember who Lot is, right? It is also counted as the land of Riphim. Riphim formerly lived there, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumim. I say biblical words are challenged. A people of great and many, and as tall as Nick and Nickham, but the Lord destroyed them before the Amorites, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place, as he did for the people of Esau, who lived in Sarah when he destroyed the Horites before them, and they dispossessed them, and settled in their place even to this day. As for Avim, who lived in the villages as far as Gaza, Yes, the same Gaza that, that we identify with today. The Captorium who lived Captor destroyed them and settled in their place. Rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I have given unto you, into your hand, Sion the Amorite, the king of Hezbon, and his land. Be, begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. Verse 26, so I sent messages from the wilderness of Kedam, uh, Sion, the king of Hezron, with the words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will go only by the road. I will turn aside, neither to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass on foot, as the sons of Esau who live in Seir, and, and the Moabites who live in Ar did for me until I go over to Jordan, into the land that the Lord our God is giving to us. But Sion, the king of Hezbon will not let us pass by him, for the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate or stubborn that he might give him into your land as he is as he is this day. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have given, begun to give Sion and his land over to you, begin to take possession, that you may occupy his land. And Sion came out against us here and all his people to battle at Jahaz, and the Lord our God gave him over to us, and we de- defeated him and his sons and all his people. And we captured all his cities at that time and devoted to destruction every city, men, women, and children. We left no survivors. Only the livestock we took as spoil for ourselves with the plunder of the cities we captured. 
from Or, which is on the edge of the Valley of the Arnon, from the city that is in the valley as far as Gilead. There was not a city too high for us. The Lord, our God, gave all into our hands, only to the land of the sons of Ammon. Uh, you did not draw near, that is, all the banks of the river, Joppa, up in the cities of the hill country, where the Lord our God has forbidden us. So basically what the book of Deuteronomy is, is it's, it's actually going over and reviewing everything that occurred. Um, and then chapter 3, Then we turned up and went away to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle Idri. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have given him all the people and his land into your hand. And you shall do to him as he did to Sion, the king of Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So the Lord our God gave into our land Og and also the king of Bashan and all his people, and we struck him down until he had no survivor left. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city that we did not take from them, six, 60 cities, the whole region of Argob, the kingdom of uh, Og and Bashan. All those cities were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides uh, very many unwalled villages. So basically just talking about how God had allowed them to uh, take the land. So that that's what that passage or Torah portion is about. Now let's let's turn to Isaiah chapter one. This is uh, I want to get into this because this is pretty timely based on what has just occurred here uh, economically here in the United States. And let's understand something. I have to say this almost every program. I think I do say it every program. Uh, the United States is a part of Israel, folks. And you may be, some people have listened to me first time and say, what is he talking about? Well, you need to go to this website, www.bsandboyritam.org. Uh, this website was designed or created by an Orthodox Jew that has proved biblically and outside the Bible that the, the nations, the modern nations of Israel today, consist of the United States, of Britain, Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, uh, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, etc. Uh, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, they are typically Israel today, part of the ten tribes of Israel. Of course, the little nation of Israel in the Middle East is part of Israel. They are the tribe of Judah. But the tribe of Judah is not completely Israel, all of Israel. If you look at Genesis chapter 49, it talks about all the twelve tribes, uh, 12 tribes in the context of the 21st century or the end times. So, go to that website for proof. So whenever you see Israel, think United States, think Britain, think Canada, think think the little nation of Israel. When you see the, see the house of Judah, that's talking about the Jews specifically. The house of Israel is talking about the ten tribes of Israel, which the United States and Canada and Britain is, is included. Okay, so anyway, Isaiah chapter 1. And, of course, anyone that believes in Yeshua Messiah is automatically grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, as Ephesians chapter 2 proves. Anyway, Isaiah chapter 1 says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Azar, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. So this is a message that should be broadcast around the world for people to hear. All right? For the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey is master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. So, you know, right now, or right, you know, in this passage of scripture, he's saying that 
many Americans don't understand they're a part of Israel. Many Britons don't understand. Many Canadians don't, etc. It says the ox knows his owner and the donkey his master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people don't understand. That's a prophecy. They don't know. Many of you that perhaps are listening to me think I'm talking crazy when I say the United States is Israel, part of Israel. But we are. Here's one major proof that is easy. Where do you think most of the Bibles are distributed worldwide? In the United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, countries in Northwestern Europe. They are. If you just take, if you look it up, Bible distribution, it'll tell you geographically where they're distributed. They certainly aren't distributed in China. That's for sure. Or in any of the Arab countries. Anyway. Verse 4. All sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. This deal, that ceiling, whatever crap you want to call it, was dealt corruptly. Okay? They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly strangled. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? This is a direct message to our leaders and to anyone who listens. The whole head is sick. The, our leaders in this country is sick. For them, I mean, three or four weeks ago before this debt ceiling garbage and before uh, our S&P rating uh, was decreased, they were talking about getting rid of the Defense of Marriage Act. They were actually having hearings on that. And he had this one black, uh, I forgot his name, whatever, he was a black uh, representative saying, I remember back in the 1960s when they had signs, and the signs were saying, white, white uh, for whites, for blacks. You know, He was trying to associate, which is uh, a, a dichotomy, basically. It's not, it certainly isn't a juxtaposition, okay, when you have two common things next to each other. He was doing the, the, the opposite. He, he was trying to compare the civil rights movement when they were discriminating against a type of human race, blacks. And he's trying to compare that to homosexuality, which has nothing to do with the civil right. Is it a civil right to be an alcoholic? Is it a civil right to have sex with animals? Is it a civil right to be a drug addict? Is it a civil right to to have sex with little girls? Okay? Is it a civil right to murder someone? No. It's not a civil right to be a homosexual, according to God. But a human being does have a civil right to be treated as a human being. That is a civil right. And even today, blacks are not treated as full citizens of this country. We suffer the most as far as the unemployment rate is worse among us. We don't have... uh, There was a chart that CNN... uh, it was talking about net worth of individuals. Uh, white folks have 113. The average white folks have 113,000 of net worth. In other words, money's in the bank. Um, Hispanics have 6,000. Blacks only have 5,000, or should have 5,000. Okay, so that tells you our net worth is, is terribly low compared to white folks. On top of that, it's much harder for black people to to get jobs and get education. As I proved before. And I'll prove again. If you if you read the end of poverty by uh, Jeffrey Sachs, who was an expert on poverty, he's 
traveled around the world and he knows about it. Most people who are poor are not poor because they don't want to work. They're poor because they don't have access to the resources to better themselves. My situation, I'm not poor, poor, dirt poor, but I, I would consider myself perhaps the working poor. I'm struggling. And the reason why, I don't have access to resources to invigorate my business so that I could get out of this. You know, I I, I don't have the resources. I have the, the plan, but I don't have the resources. What do I have to do? I have to do it the hard way, extremely hard way. I have to call companies and, and hope they're interested in, in the product or service that I offer. And that's the hard way to do it. It can be done, but it takes a lot of time. So anyway, um, the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. It's in verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 1. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds, they are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. And that can, it can, it can explain our economic condition right now. All we're doing is bruises and sores and raw wounds. They're not pressed up or bound up. We're not... Solving the problem by increasing our debt. We're making it worse. Verse 7, this is what's going to happen to our country unless we repent. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. And your very presence, foreigners devour your land. And they are. The Chinese own a lot of our property, a lot of our wealth right now. And that's what's going on right now. Asians make the most money among uh, the races, the types of races in this country. Verse 8, And the daughter of Zion, which is referring to Jerusalem, is left like a booth in the vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. That will happen in the future. Verse 9, If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, similar to what Christ stated in Matthew chapter 24, if he did not cut short those days, we would, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Total destruction. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And then, you know, what I want you to understand, folks, when people automatically, because, you know, we've been brainwashing and thinking that Sodom just means homosexuality. It doesn't. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 16 to understand what Sodom really is. Ezekiel chapter 16. God gives you a definition of the sins of Sodom. We don't need to, to guess. It's in here. In verse 49. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. So, is there any doubt that we have pride in this country? Oh, you have pride. We got pride, don't we? All right. We have an excess of food. Oh, boy, do we, don't we? We are the fattest nation or one of the fattest nations in the world. Matter of fact, God calls us in the prophecy that he gave Moses in Ezekiel, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Jezreel wax fat. That's a nickname for Israel. And we wax fat, don't we? We got fat bellies all over the place. Everywhere I go, there's somebody that's fat. You got a belly flying, flapping all over the place. You know, so we definitely have excess of food, and we have prosperous ease, don't we? We look at our television programs, we turn the cable on, and sit there and get fat, right? 
our bellies got pizza probably on it. And we just get sit there and prosper as ease, right? Being lazy. Turn the television on. I'm tired of work. Let me come home and just lay around for hours. Look at my housewives. What's the stupid housewives? Some silly stuff they have on television. They got so many silly programs on television that you can just blow your brain out and waste your time on. Okay? Yeah, desperate, stupid housewives, which I just got some good news. It's going to be gone next year. Thank God. That program will be off the air soon. All that does is encourage uh, adultery. That's all that, that, that show does. But anyway, um, and did not aid the poor and the needy. That's another sin of Sodom. Okay? And we have not done that for years. Matter of fact, you know, production has increased in this country, but wages have decreased. We are the most, uh, we have the most inequality among all nations between the rich and the poor. We have the most billionaires in this country. And how dare they get all upset because Obama, and that's one thing he is right about, I'm totally in support of him, that they should be taxed more. Because they got it to give. What are they doing with all their billions of dollars? i tell you what they're doing, uh, based on the, the parable and uh, one of my favorite parables in Luke chapter 12, the, the rich fool, read that. The rich fool didn't think about, well, he had excess, he didn't think about helping the poor, what he thought about was, that, well, I guess I'll build bigger barns, and today you can interpret that as bigger bank accounts, and, and put that in your you know, bigger bank accounts instead of giving it to the poor. And, you know, God, through Jesus Christ, he's telling rich people that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Now, you know that a camel can't go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. God, not me, is, is is telling rich people, you got a problem. The majority of rich people got a problem. There's a few good ones out there. But the majority have a problem. It's their lust and desire for money. They got to get rid of that. But that's Sodom. Sodom is being lazy, being fat, not caring for the poor, being prideful, can't be told what, can't, can't be, uh, can't listen. I was uh, trying to work with, uh, I'm not going to give his name or whatever, but I was trying to work with uh, this one guy, uh, a project, and he wouldn't listen to me. He had so much pride. No, no one has my tool. No one has my, my web development tool. For him to think that, be that arrogant, to think that no one else has developed his tool, or no one will develop his tool. Because if, if you know anything about marketing, <laughs> Once something's out in the market, someone else copies it. It's called competition. It always happens. It's like when Burger King came out, McDonald's. McDonald's, Burger King, they're both competing against one another. Okay, That's the way it is. And this guy didn't have enough sense to understand that. That's an example of pride. And then, you know, on top of that, he can't talk to nobody. And the people that he uh, took on to do this project, they're all gone except, I guess, one person now. That doesn't surprise me because he doesn't listen. He thinks he knows everything. So know it all. And I, as I tell my son, I'll tell you, the time you think that you know everything, that that's when you aren't very wise. And the, very, the wise person is one that knows that they don't know everything, that's willing to learn. You have to be humble. If you want to be exalted, be humble. 
You can't be humbled by thinking you know everything. And unfortunately, a lot of Americans have that type of prideful attitude. That's Sodom. Sodom is having pride, being lazy, eating too much, not caring for the poor. And of course, as he states here, verse 50, they were haughty and did an abomination before me. And you know what that abomination was? Homosexuality. So it includes that as well. So I removed them when I saw it. All right? And that's what he's going to do prophetically to this country if we don't get our act together. We've we got to repent of the sins of being lazy, uh, of being overweight, of not caring for the poor, of having pride and arrogance, not wanting to listen, and, of course, embracing homosexuality. That's Sodom and Gomorrah, folks. That's Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's turn back to Isaiah. I never have enough time to do anything, but I'm going to have to just read Isaiah and then uh, cover these other scriptures next week. I wanted to go over James chapter 5. But Isaiah, this is uh, a good one here to, to go over here. Isaiah chapter 1. So, in verse 9, it says, If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and, and, and like Gomorrah. So you understand the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, hopefully. All right? Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. And these rulers got pride. They're lazy. You know, Barney Franks is fat. You ever seen his belly lately? Okay? He's very big. Okay? And he's a homosexual. He fits this perfectly. Okay? Uh, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gamar. That's what he calls us. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? Now, he goes back to something he used to do then, but today sacrifices can be interpreted as giving to people. That's what sacrifices are all about anyway. All right? I had had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and a fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of goats or the lambs of, of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. I mean, you can give to the world, but if you're wicked and committing adultery and, and murdering people, God doesn't care. You know, you, you have to give and be righteous giving. That's what he's saying. Verse 13, bring no more vain offerings, incense and an abomination to me, new moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations or assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Okay, so iniquity and solemn assembly does not match. Okay? If you're going to worship God, worship him in righteousness, not in wickedness. That's what he's saying. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. See, so God is going to hide your eyes from you when you sin. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. How are our hands full of blood today? Ab uh, abortions. Millions of babies are murdered every year in this country. That's how our hands, particularly doctors' hands, are full of blood. Verse 16, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression, as I just mentioned to you about blacks that want to work, that aren't lazy, and yet we don't have the resources to better ourselves. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, though they be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. 
But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, war, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 21, how the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, talking about Jerusalem. Righteousness, Jerusalem was the capital of the house of Judah and the house of Israel. Okay, Righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, and your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the followers, and the widow's cause does not come to them. Therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Oh, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your draws as with lyre and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as the first and your counselors in the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. This is after, of course, they repent. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desire and you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. And the strong shall become tender and his work a spark and both of them shall burn together in none to quench them. So what a way to end this Bible study. But that that's what's going to happen, folks, if we don't get our act together. I don't have time to go over these other scriptures, but you can go over them. Uh, you know, James chapter 5, Revelation 6, verse 5 to 8. I'll go over that next week in Isaiah chapter 3, I hope. I wanted to go over Zephaniah, and hopefully I'll cover that next week as well. So may God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be here next week. Malachi chapter 4. For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.